What am I willing to do to go get it? I push things aside just to go get it. I know my role and I play my position. You talking too much. Please learn how to listen, I never give up, I'm not Welcome back to the Wine Network, where we interview every job occupation, A through Z, from the trash man to the CEO, and ask them when how they started their profession so that you could find your dream job too. I'm your host, Joe Thompson, and today we have a very special guest with us. It is Lindsay Ryan Podman. Now, Lindsay is a financial therapist, speaker, and nominated author. She's been a therapist for the past 10 years and uses shame-free financial therapy to help people get their minds and money in balance. She also expanded her services to help therapists with their money mindset, niching, and authentic marketing. Now, she's got a lot of ups and downs to share with us today. So, Lindsay, shall I proceed? Yes, indeed. Let's go, Lindsay. How are you feeling today? I am good. You know, it has been, as we are recording this, a wild couple of weeks, just emotionally. So I'm starting to get my energy back up and it's, the sun is shining where I am here in Michigan. So I am I am pretty good. Very, very, very nice. Now, Lindsay, I'm real excited to talk to you today about what you do. So, Lindsay, why don't we just go ahead and dive right in? Yes, Why let's did you do that. become a financial <laughs> therapist? Well, let's see. So first of all, I did not know that this this uh, niche or this job existed. So I became a financial therapist because I just saw a gap in the way that we were talking about money. So as you mentioned, my background is in clinical social work. I'm a trained therapist and I specialized in depression and anxiety. And then I'm also a person who graduated right into the Great Recession. So I had to learn a lot about money quickly. And um, so just in my own life, I had an interest and personal finances. So then in my clinical life, when I was working with clients, money stuff kept coming up and I was trained to not talk about money with them. My training as a social worker and as a therapist was to say, if they bring up money stuff, refer them out to somebody else. And I just did not like that. I felt like here I was with these clients who were coming to me with their stressors, with their frustrations, with their anxieties in relationship to money, and I was just telling them to go somewhere else. So I wanted to hold space for them in an ethical way, and so I sought out some additional training in financial social work and in financial therapy, which I did not know existed until I started searching for different ways to to provide this type of service to my clients. So to answer your question, I did not know that's what I wanted to do until I got into this work and just continued to see just a mismatch in the way that we were talking about money, right? So in the personal finance space, there's so much information about financial literacy, about investing, about advising. And then in the mental health space, there's a lot of stuff talking about psychology and emotions, but there wasn't a lot going on in the intersection of these two worlds. And so that's why I am a financial therapist. Very, very, very nice. I love that answer right there, Lindsay. And I got to ask, I mean, you were you so perfectly described to me your process of, you know, going from your clinical therapist into uh, what you're doing today. But I mean, I would I really want to dig a little deeper than that. So what do you think were some childhood hobbies and habits that led you to even going into uh, being a clinical therapist to begin with? Like what what was that process like for you? Mm, Another good question, because it was not linear at 
as a very, very young child, I thought I wanted to be a veterinarian, um, but I couldn't handle like the queasiness factor. A lot of my family is in the medical field. So I just couldn't, I knew I couldn't deal with, with the blood and the smells and the this is and the that's. Mm-hmm. So I quickly moved on from that. And I knew I loved studying people, not studying people. I just love people. I loved learning about people's cultures, about what people ate, about where people traveled, about what was important for them spiritually. So I thought, oh, you know, a field that comes to mind where you can talk to a bunch of people is journalism. So I started out thinking I was going to do journalism. And then I took a sociology class in college and I went, wait, there's a whole field dedicated to the study of the way that we show up in the world based upon our our cultural imprint, and I was sold. And so I thought I was going to take that and run, and I was going to become a sociology professor, and I was going to get my PhD, and I was going to do research and studies. And then after four years of undergrad, I was kind of burnt out on school, even though mm-hmm. I love school and I love learning. I just knew that a, a an additional four, six years was not in my plan. So kind of went back to the drawing board to figure out how can I continue to connect with people and do it in a meaningful way. And in my personal life, like many people, like one in four, one in five Americans, I struggled with my own mental health. I struggled with depression and anxiety and an eating disorder. And many members of my family struggled with various mental illnesses. So I I had that personal experience. And then I, again, had just this desire to connect with others. And I thought that social work would provide that blend of the two where I could connect with other people and also help them in their in their um, journey of becoming better with their mental health. So I just kind of zigged and zagged (laughs) until I landed on where I did. And to truth be told, I'll probably zig a few more times, right? Like, I think this idea that you pick one thing and you do it forever is kind of dated. Um, You know, it's really our parents and grandparents that had that opportunity where they could pick a job at 18 and work it for 40 years and retire. Like that just does not really exist Mm -mm. anymore. So also giving myself permission to say, this is what I do right now. And I may continue to pivot and expand as time goes on. I love that answer right there. And especially (laughs) that last part, Lindsay, when you were saying that there is no finish line in Mm. life, there is no finish line at all. I mean, you change is the only constant in life. So please believe, please believe that as time goes on, so will your circumstances and so will your feelings towards uh, what you want to do, your your purpose in life. Your purpose in life changes as time changes. So uh, please be very aware and very self-conscious of that um, in what you're doing. And Lindsay, I love that answer right there. So um, I'm going to roll into this next question real quick. Now, what is an average day like for a, a financial therapist such as yourself? <laughs> so, Kojo, my days vary, but in general, Tuesdays through Fridays, I am seeing clients. And when I see seeing clients, we are still amidst the pandemic. So I'm seeing everybody virtually from my laptop. I see um, about five clients a day. I don't like to see more than five clients a day. I find my energy starts to get heavy. I find I can't bring my full self into the sessions. So I 
also am not a morning person. I know a lot of entrepreneurs are like big morning people. That is not me. So I really work with my energy. I don't start my client day until about nine. So I usually wake up around seven, seven thirty. I move my body in some way, shape or form, whether that's something structured like yoga or kickboxing, or whether that's just taking my dog on a walk. I have my coffee. I do a couple of emails and then I, I get my day started. And my day usually ends around five or six p.m. Um, and then on Mondays, Mondays are really my admin day. And as a small business owner and entrepreneur, my Mondays really look like batching content. So that usually means interviewing people for my podcast. Season two of the Mind Money Balance podcast focuses on therapists and money. So that's who I'm doing interviews on right now. It usually mm. looks like creating graphics for Instagram. It often looks like writing my email newsletters. It, and it often Often looks like pitching myself to be on other people's podcasts or um, featured on their blogs or on their Instagram, really cultivating community and collaboration. So Mondays are like my my energetic fun day. I I really look forward to Mondays, which I know is so cliche for for people to be like, I love my job, but I really love doing that work at the start of my week. It's really creative. And that is an area that in traditional therapy, I wasn't using that part of my brain. So mm. it's so fun for me to dive into the creative side, whether it's creating graphics and writing on Mondays, and then flip into the therapeutic side where I'm doing a lot more sitting back. I mean, I'm present for sure, but I'm not using that part of my brain. I'm definitely using like the analytical part of my brain the rest of the week. So, so a typical day depends on if you catch me on a Monday or Tuesday. Very, very, very nice. I love that right there. And I, I love the fact that, you know, again, speaking on just touching on uh, working on your business and working in it. I mean, that's two completely different things that use two completely different skill sets that you need two completely different times for. Very yes. important stuff right there. And Lindsay, and again, we're, we're going to retouch on that podcast in the end. But I got to ask, what do you enjoy the most about what you do? Mm, that's a hard question. <laughs> I love helping to provide education and normalizing that money is more than a budget. For me, that is one of the greatest things that I can do is hold space for people to to normalize the stigma and the taboo that still exists around money. And that might look like something very structured, like providing a presentation or doing a speaking gig. It might look like one-on-one -on -one work, but that is what I love about what I do is that aha moment when the person I'm talking to or an audience member goes, oh my gosh, I'm not bad with money. I'm not stupid. There's so much more there than meets the eye. So that's why that that's a big piece of what I love about my work. Very, very nice. And of course, the back end of that question is, what do you enjoy the least? Mm. <laughs> It's, it's the tedious part of being a therapist that I enjoy the least, and that is taking notes. It sounds so uh, trivial to say, really, Lindsay, you mm -hmm. hate doing a, a, a five or 15 minute write up after your clients leave. But mm -hmm. yes, the answer is yes, that piece is something that has piled up um, as I've gotten into, mm -hmm. into being my own boss because there's nobody saying, hey, Lindsay, you have to turn in your notes at the end of mm -hmm. the day or the end of the week. Um, and I'm pretty good at saying, you know, I'll get to those tomorrow. So that's probably the least favorite. 
Very, very nice. And Lindsay, I can a thousand percent relate to that last one with uh, with the notes because oh I, 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 I have to write the introduction to each and every person that I interview. Yep. And usually I write it down, you know, pen and paper uh, on a piece of paper. But today, I mean, because you're my first uh, one out of my round of interviews for, for this uh, upcoming next couple of months. And today mm-hmm. I, I just completely said, no, I'm not doing it. I copy and pasted whatever was on the <laughs> Internet and I edited it from there. I emailed it to myself and that's yep. what I read off for your interview. And that's how I'm going to do it from now because I hate notes, too. So yes, I completely yes. understand, Lindsay. Like Love I really, that. It's just tedious. It's just tedious. Mm-hmm. So, um, Lindsay, please, I got to know. Do you think that grades matter in school for the success that you have in your career today? No. Mm -mm. So I I know that's a quick answer and I'm a therapist, so I have to provide some nuance. I think grades mattered for me maybe getting into grad school. Um, But I was like, I I mean, I was a good student, but I wasn't a great student. I am not good at standardized tests. Uh, Math is an area I've always struggled in, which is so interesting considering (laughs) financial therapist. Um, and, And to me, I hated busy work. I still do to this day. Mm. I like rules when there is a reason for them, but arbitrary rules I've almost always rebelled against. Mm-hmm. So my grades were reflected of that, reflective of that in that I would absolutely show up and take the test or write the paper. But when it came to like tedious homework just to give the teachers a break or just because we needed something to do, I had a really hard time doing that. Um, yeah. And so, so I think my grades were lower than my ability because I just didn't agree with it. And I I also think that grades are helpful to a certain extent, but they are so not, you know, reflective of who we are as people. I know so many people who were solid C students who are brilliant and talented and genius, but the school system really failed them in that it didn't harness their brain in the way that it was meant to work. And again, as a therapist, I know for people who are struggling with things like ADHD, depression, anxiety, their grades, again, may not be reflective of how smart they are because they're struggling with other things. So no, I don't think grades are or the end all be all at all in terms of how I got to where I am today. And Lindsay, like, let me just say that, you know, when I ask this question, I expect people to say exactly what you just said. Yeah. Sadly, I don't get enough responses from you, uh, you know, responses like this. You know, some people might say, oh, yes, it matters, you know, because I, I interview every job. I interview engineers and nurses and stuff like that, too. Of course, they're going to tell me that grades and stuff matter. But I mean, honestly, it is so the, the grade factor. I don't ask if school is the most it, uh, was, you know, mattered in your career school as a whole is completely different than grades I I feel like a lot of people emphasize the grade part you know they're saying oh you have to get straight A's you have to do x y and z in order to achieve this certain level of and it's that's not the case I was a C student too I was more I I was good at school not in the way of grades I was more good in school in the social aspect it Mm. got me in a lot of trouble I was really good at talking (laughs) I was I was good at talking to anybody I could talk to anybody I was friends with the teachers students everybody but one thing I could not do was for the same reasons as you with the grade stuff. And it, that's just one measurement of success. Your grades are just one measurement of success. Just because you're not successful in that way does not mean that you will not be successful in life as a whole. I mean, there are so many different ways of being successful that grades just don't even matter for the mm-hmm. most part. And that's mm-hmm. why I have to a thousand percent agree with what you just said. So, Lindsay, 
how do you feel that you make an impact? And let me break this down a little bit for you. So when I say impact, I mean, what do you feel you're devoted to? What's your devotion? That's a hard question and a good one. And I feel like you answered a little bit of it uh, in the when when you said, uh, you know, how you what what you enjoyed the most. So, I mean, maybe we can just rehash on that and talk about a little bit more. Yeah. So for me, it really comes down to normalization. So before I was a financial therapist, when I was practicing traditional therapy and specialized in depression and anxiety, a big part of my job was doing community events to help people understand what depression is versus what is normal sadness. What is clinical anxiety versus experiencing a feeling of anxiety? And to me, that is one of the most important things is education around various things. So right now, education is taking the form of financial and emotional education. Um, But like, as we just talked about with grades, I'm not talking about education to get an A or a B. I'm talking about education as a form of power and as a form of normalization. So much of what we experience, we we often think we're the only ones. We think we're the only ones who's ever felt worried. We think we're the only ones who's ever felt imposter syndrome. We think we're the only ones who has made a mistake with money. And it's simply not true. So for me, a part of the work that I do is is about just normalizing the human experience. And it takes form, you know, in the past in depression and anxiety, it takes form right now in the form of financial and emotional well-being. But it's really about helping people understand that they are not alone. Very, very nice. And I, again, I could not have put it better myself. And Lindsay, you have been given excellent, excellent, excellent advice all interview long. But if there's one, just one piece of advice that you could give to somebody out there listening right now who wants to be in the position that you're in a day, what would mm-hmm. that be? Listen to yourself. I, again, I know it sounds so cliche, but here's the thing about either entrepreneur or going to a certain career path. There are so many people who are going to tell you that you have to do it this one way, that these steps have been carved out for you and that's what everybody else has done. So that's exactly what you have to do. And I encourage you to be thoughtful and intentional as you are moving on your career journey, be it, again, in a traditional nine to five or in entrepreneurship, the importance of listening to what's important to you and only doing the things that are aligned with what lights you up and what feels best for you. Very nice. And always go with that first instead, guys. I mean, honestly, in order to get what you really want, first, you must be who you really are. Mm. It's a must. It's a must. I mean, honestly, the day I decided to be who I really was, that's when everything started catching up with me. Not it wasn't the other way around. A lot of people go the other way around with it. A lot of people will list out what they want and then try to change who they are in order to get there because they said that X in order to get X, Y, and Z, first you must be A, B, C instead of just being yourself and acquiring it through that you will eventually attract what you most deep desire if you just be yourself. But first, you must have the confidence. You must have the self, the self presence, the self self it just you, you must be have have that awareness of mm-hmm. yourself, have that mm-hmm. have that power, that knowledge that you are enough to be successful in your own way. Everybody has their own path. Everybody has their own light. Everybody has their own journey. Everybody has their own purpose. And you must understand mm-hmm. yours and love it love yourself in order to get what you really want in life and achieve everything that you really want. That's how I did it. That's how Lindsay do it, did it. That's how most people are doing it out there. But now it's your turn. You, Everybody has to buckle down and really look at themselves in the mirror and say, who am I? 
mm-hmm. what do I really want? Mm-hmm. And let me put myself on the path in order to grow myself in order to get to where I want to be. And Lindsay, again, you have given excellent, excellent, excellent advice all interview long now, Lindsay. Now it is it is the time where we do, uh, you know, talk about your podcast. We talk about your book. You know, I just want to give everything out there for the people out there listening who want to, you know, go click that link in the bio real quick to go check you out and all your stuff. So, Lindsay, please, if you could just shout out all that stuff, website, book, anything, mm-hmm. podcast, anything that we could just put in the link in the description below to share. Mm, I, I would love to, and I would be remiss if I didn't tag on to something that you just said, Koja, that really spoke to me and I feel is important. Um, you know, as we are developing our, our personal selves and our, our professional selves, it can be really hard to know what you want and how to be yourself. And if you're listening and you're on the younger end of things, there is a an actual reason in your brain for this. And it is that your prefrontal cortex is not fully developed until you are about 25 years old. So in between the ages of like, you know, puberty and 25, Mm -hmm. your brain is trying so hard to belong and to fit in. That is what is the most important thing. Mm -hmm. So when you hear people say, be yourself, be unique, it can be so challenging when you are younger to, to really embrace that. And I know for me, when I was younger and I saw other people who were so confident and who knew exactly what they loved and knew what they wanted to do, I remember being like, oh, I don't, I just don't have that. I don't have that type of aha thing. And mm-hmm. it came with time and it came with age. So I would just say for those of you listening, going like, ah, I don't have that confidence or I don't know what I want to do, like pump the brakes. It will come to you. Just just keep practicing. So I just wanted to throw that in there. Please, um, please. Yes, yeah, I love it. Yes. Um, OK, so on to where people can find me and follow me. My company is called Mind Money Balance, M-I-N-D. And I am pretty much everywhere underneath that handle. I'm most active on Instagram at Mind Money Balance. My podcast is of the same name. It's really about helping people bridge that gap between the emotional and data sides of money. And this season is all about therapists and money. And then future seasons will focus on different intersections, race and money, spirituality and money, gender and money. Um, and then my book is called The Financial Anxiety Solution, and it is a workbook. So it's super, super interactive, and it helps you go through your thoughts, your feelings, and your behaviors when it comes to your money so you can dial down that anxiety and engage with your money in a really healthy way. Very, very nice. And again, folks, please hit that link in the description below. Everything that she just listed is down below in that description. Please check her out. Lindsay is one of the best, one of the smartest, one of the brightest to do it right now. So please check her out. And folks, as you know, there are three types of work, a job, a career, and a calling. Most people Mm -hmm. have a job. You're lucky if you find a career, but you are truly, truly blessed if you find your calling. And I really hope that me and Lindsay helped you find it here today. That is a wrap. If you enjoyed today's podcast, make sure to leave a review so that someone else can discover it too. Make sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn at YI Network for episode updates, weekly takeaways, quotes of the week, and much, much more. And if you or somebody else you know is passionate about their job and would like to share their story, email us at whyimpassionate at gmail.com. Again, whyimpassionate at gmail.com. Talk to you soon, folks. And I play my position. You talking too much. Please learn how to listen. I never give up. I'm not quitting.
I'm consistent. I'm willing to go the distance. I feel like I'm up on the mount, like I'm pitching. I'm fighting the more.